Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal, and this is the 163rd edition of the show. On the broadcast today, I'm going to be sharing a conversation with Sami, who is a Palestinian activist that I met in Amsterdam. Um, Sami is involved in organizing around the BDS movement in Amsterdam. That is the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement uh, that is aiming to pressure the Israeli government to respect Palestinian human rights. This is a global movement that is really inspired by the campaign against apartheid in South Africa that was pressuring the apartheid uh, white supremacist government in South Africa through economic sanctions and international solidarity was a, a big part of that process, economically isolating the South African apartheid state. Today, activists around the world, uh, of course, some of the listeners of this show will have heard of this movement, but for those who haven't, um, have been engaging uh, all over the world, activists in pressuring the Israeli government due to the systemic human rights violations against Palestinian people living under Israeli occupation in the West Bank of Palestine and living under a military naval um, siege in Gaza, Palestine. And um, in Netherlands, um, Sami and others have been building a campaign to look at the ways that despite the discourse around human rights on, on the part of the European Union, the EU, uh, there is deep economic complicity with the Israeli state uh, within the EU uh, context. And this really means that the Israeli government gets economic buoyancy from this systemic support for the economy of Israel, despite the reality of apartheid and systemic human rights abuses that the Israeli state is uh, continuing to sustain against the Palestinian people. And so this is a bit about the BDS movement. And it's very interesting, I think, to look at a global movement and the ways that that effort is manifested and organized in different places. So it was really a pleasure to speak with Sami for Free City Radio. Here's our conversation recorded in Amsterdam. Yeah, so I'm Sami. I work with BDS here in the Netherlands. I'm more focused on the student side of things because I used to be a student activist uh, not too long ago. So um, kind of sharing my learnings as well as helping and empowering the local groups across the country um, in different campuses to mobilize, get together, unite and start taking strategic approaches to tackling the occupation and specifically in the context of the academic boycott. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been working with BDS for, let's say, if, when I was in uni, I worked a lot, because I was in the UK, I worked mm -hmm. a lot with PSC, um, which, is? which is the Palestine Solidarity Campaign in the UK. Um, they kind of are the umbrella sort of entity that mm -hmm. um, leads the Palestine movement in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, here... It's a bit different because you have uh, BDSNL, which is focusing more on the, let's say, grassroots mobilization side. Um, you have the Rights Forum, which is focused more on the political and, um, yeah, they, they, they have access to government and kind of have more 
to do with that. Trying to push for Palestinian human rights in that. Space. Yeah, basically, they're a lot more on the policy side, okay. while we're a lot more on the grassroots side mm -hmm. and, and getting people to understand how they might be unknowingly complicit in the occupation um, and, and, you know, how to basically the economic boycott is an important point for your everyday people. Um, for students and faculty members, it's the academic boycott. And those are kind of the two veins that we push um, and are focused on. So um, there is still quite a lot of language around the European Union, particularly in Western Europe, around it being a space politically and culturally, uh, so, uh, economically, that is trying to push for a respect for human rights. We see a lot of discourse around that in relation to the war in Ukraine, uh, a lot of discourse about the European Human Rights Commission, uh, and sort of uh, this process of deepening uh, respect for human rights. But one thing we've seen here in the Netherlands and beyond is this complicity economically and politically with the Israeli state. So getting into that, um, could you talk a bit about why this activism um, in support of Palestinian human rights to talk about this complicity with the Israeli government as they continue to occupy Palestine is important and maybe some examples of what what is going down here and and some of the work that you're doing to try to show details around this sure yeah um so i think it, it's a it's really interesting that you bring up ukraine because you know up until the war in ukraine it seemed like the concept of occupation the concept of settlement the concept of you know everything that we've been fighting against when it comes to the israeli occupation and apartheid system in palestine seemed to be very alien to a lot of people and they just couldn't wrap their heads around it. Um, but the war in Ukraine, as tragic as it is, has actually shown us that I think it's a, a bright side has been that we can see that people do understand the concept of sanctions, of boycotting, of divestment. And, and they want to take action. And they want to take action. Mm -hmm. And so, it, you know, with that in mind, it got us thinking, how can we start tackling it? And, and you know, what, actually what it made you realize was that there's this, how basically people rushed into activism when it came to the Ukrainian context. But when it comes to the Palestinian context, it's still marred with this whole idea of it's so complex, it's far away. It's, um, it, you know, people are told certain things mm -hmm. and made to believe certain things. And this is decades, mm -hmm. decades of indoctrination and, and propaganda, which makes people think, oh, but, you know, given what happened in World War II, it is our responsibility to support Israel. That's kind of the thinking here of we did something really bad or we were complicit in something really bad. Um, therefore, we have to support. And now the irony of the situation is that, you know, when you look at it in reality, it's like, yeah, we did something bad and now we're doing the same thing, but in a different context and with a different victim. And when you talk about, you know, complicity, for, if we move beyond the grassroots level and we think about the structural level, 
it's actually pretty crazy how complicit the governments, European and Dutch governments are, um, and how complicit the private sector is. Because there was, a, there was a recent report by the Don't Buy um, Into Occupation Coalition, which is a coalition of Palestinian, regional, and European organizations, um, where they looked into all the companies that are complicit in the occupation between January 2019 and August 2022, the role that they played and the funding that they received. And what they found is actually pretty insane because, first of all, in terms of the industries that are involved, it's pretty broad. You have the agricultural industry, um, and of course, that's no surprise given that Israel is really building this en- this image of itself as a startup nation, as the the nucleus of innovation where people can you know really innovate, and there's funding here available to all kinds of innovators and people with ideas. But then you start asking yourself, okay, so who's funding a lot of these companies? You start to find 725 European financial institutions, then that includes banks, asset managers, um, insurance companies, pension funds, uh, had financial relationships with 50 businesses that are actively involved in the Israeli settlement complex. Now, before I go further, I think let's just agree on one foundational point, which is that settlements are illegal under international law. Um, It is a war crime. The construction, the expansion of settlements is illegal. Moving um, civilian populations into these settlements is illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's no secret, this has been Israel's strategy throughout, right? Create little Palestinian Bantustans, divide and conquer, and then put civilian populations in there so you can claim we can no longer displace them because they're innocent civilians. And so who, so then you start to ask yourself, okay, the government is enforcing this sort of system, and that's how they reinforce their apartheid system, right? Settlers have, are ruled by civil law, while Palestinians are ruled by military law, mm-hmm. um, also illegal. <laughs> And so you start asking yourself, like, which companies are supporting this beyond the agricultural sector and the financial sector? And you start to find heavy machinery and construction. So think about any video that you've seen of settlements being built, Palestinians being displaced, forcibly displaced from their homes, their homes and lands destroyed. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest names that you always see in the background on the heavy machinery that's being used, like the bulldozers and tractors, is Caterpillar. When it comes to these settlements existing and having like thriving little economies beyond government funding, there's platforms like Airbnb, Booking.com, Expedia that are driving tourists to these locations, normalizing the existence of settlements. And they're not even warning anyone of what's happening there and where this money is going. They're always framed as within Israel. You have Siemens, a German company that's involved Mm -hmm. in the extraction of natural resources and building this whole network of extraction and exportation into Europe. And finally, um, when you think of Mm -hmm. the surveillance and and identification equipment that Mm -hmm. they use to reinforce their apartheid system, Mm -hmm. HP, Google, Amazon, these are your biggest culprits. So 
it's 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 pretty crazy then when you start looking at the level of funding that goes into this like some of the biggest uh financial institutions or, or let's say the 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 ones that um fund the the biggest backers and funders of these settlement projects a few of them are banks or, or institutions that we all interact with on a daily basis such as ing here in the netherlands in france you have crédit agricole BNP Paribas, uh, Société Générale in the UK, HSBC, Barclays. I'll bet you, like, if you opened anyone's wallet, you'll find at least one of these bank cards in their wallets. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to the types of things that they fund as well beyond mm -hmm. um, just the companies and the product uh, projects, I mean, let me give you a concrete example. Mm -hmm. um, Heidelberg Materials, one that we might not interact with on a daily basis, it's a German cement company. Mm -hmm. They've acquired a bunch of Israeli companies which mm -hmm. are involved in the extraction of the raw materials for the cement. So they're literally taking it from underneath Palestinians' feet and using that to build the settlements. So it's kind of like we extract the resources from right under your mm -hmm. feet, kick you out and build a settlement on top of your land. And, and we're talking about massive numbers in the billions. Um, I think Heidelberg, between January of 2019 and August 2022, took out $2.9 billion just in loans from ING, Deutsche Bank, Chartered, uh, Standard Chartered, and BNP Paribas. A lot of specifics in there, and thank you, Sammy, for outlining them. When we think about the process of um, colonization, uh, let's think, for example, uh, in the context of Turtle Island, North America, uh, the Canadian state project. Uh, you saw the emergence of companies like the Hudson's Bay Company, for example, that were settlement outposts and were central to the colonization of indigenous lands in that context. Um, the infrastructure, the financial infrastructure, the corporate infrastructure, uh, that today is part of colonization in Palestine. In a way, a lot of what you're describing is intense, but it's also an opportunity to sort of think and unpack the sort of infrastructure of injustice. Um, so yeah, if, if you could share any reflections about like the way that this sort of decoding this, this infrastructure of colonial violence sort of can be uh, both informational, but also sort of unpack the system that it is um, propelling forward, colonization. Yeah, so um, That's okay. Yeah, no, because I was just going to ask. Um, no, no worries. My, my question was huge. Yeah, did you? <laughs> Sorry. Like, do you want me to go into? You can go into whatever. Some you want. examples of. I just, I just want to, for people to like because you just went through a, a bunch of examples that are like super like important. So if you could like mention again the website where this report is, and yeah. then and then and then just sort of give a bit of system thought about what you were talking about. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was the don't buy into occupation report. You can just literally write that down and they have the latest report from 2022 mm -hmm. uh, where you can find all this information. It's, it's a long report, but it's pretty thorough. Um, there's a lot of companies you might not recognize in there and, and a lot that might be relevant. Respect. Um, but 
I think when it comes down to when it comes down to what all of these the role that these companies play, mm-hmm. they so let's split it up actually into um, from the kind of consumer everyday person perspective mm-hmm. all the way down all the way up to the mm-hmm. political and governmental side mm-hmm. um, or actually let's do it in reverse where on the governmental side you know okay. there's these agreements there's like colonization is going to look the same wherever you look right mm-hmm. in Canada in the US in Israel it's kind of a system that is just building they're they're all these examples build onto each other. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a big issue is that you have this global structure mm-hmm. where the so-called global West, right, the current powers or some of the powers of the world, are really struggling to let go of this idea that they're at the very top of the food chain, right? They, they will point fingers at other nations, but never take a moment to reflect and see how they have propelled that the catastrophes that you see in so many countries, whether we're talking about American imperialism around the world. um, I mean, South America and the Middle East are perfect examples of of American imperialism and how they continuously try to weaken it. And I mean, Israel is also part of that kind of colonial project, right? Mm -hmm. It's about regional dominance. It's about being superior to others. Apartheid is all about that. Mm -hmm. So it's no surprise that on that sort of powers level, Mm -hmm. um, the West claims to be for human rights and they claim to be trying to like, you know, help the world or whatever it is, but they're not doing anything concrete to do it. Mm -hmm. And then when you start going down to like businesses, like Mm -hmm. the private sector has a huge role to play in this Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, they're the ones funding these Mm -hmm. kinds of um, situations Mm -hmm. or these kinds of projects. it's European companies, and mm-hmm. I mean, and I can give you the example of Eged, which mm-hmm. um, their daughter company, it, it's basically Eged is the company that provides the bus link between settlements and the main cities in, in, in mm-hmm. Israel. Mm-hmm. They have a daughter company in the Netherlands called EBS, um, and they provide the bus systems here in the Netherlands. and these guys are given almost a red carpet to just come in and do whatever they want and apply for tenders and no one looks into human rights violations. And when you ask, when you try to confront these companies, they'll be like, oh no, but you know, you can't hold us responsible for what that company, our parent company is doing, which in itself is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when your parent company is bailing you out and funding a lot of the sort of tenders that you're applying to. but also mm. your everyday mm. people are forced to use that bus service no one looks into who is providing the bus mm. for me to go from my home to work mm. i need to take this bus to go and make a living mm-hmm. so i don't have a choice mm-hmm. so my taxpayer dollars are going towards this and mm-hmm. i have to pay for that ticket to get on this bus mm-hmm. so the private sector if they were and, and that's why bds exists right the mm-hmm. point is that like our whole strategy is to make the occupation and make apartheid unprofitable Mm -hmm. because and and that's the panic right now that you see Mm -hmm. in certain organizations that um kind of you know are there as the defenders of israel where they're panicked by the gains that we're making because they see how companies divesting from israel Mm -hmm. makes the occupation 
less and less profitable, which means that it is going to end if we keep being able to divest from it and, and keep and, and eventually apply sanctions, mm-hmm. right? They, they saw what happened in South Africa, like that model mm-hmm. is known. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the biggest concern. And then if we take it down to the, to the consumer level, let's say, mm-hmm. or the everyday person mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. when it comes to um, brands or, or, or customer facing companies like Booking.com or like Puma, mm-hmm. um, you know, we are by buying things from them or by using their platforms, mm-hmm. we are then kind of normalizing their behavior, mm-hmm. which is in itself normalizing the occupation mm-hmm. and settlements as mm-hmm. if these are legitimate um, neighborhoods that, you know, just came out of some sort of natural urbanization, which is completely bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so, so as consumers, there's a lot that we could do mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, just, and, and look, I get it. There's certain platforms or certain um, things that are really hard to find alternatives mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. but it is possible. Mm-hmm. We can put in the effort. Like, you don't need those Puma sneakers. There's multiple alter- alternatives out there that are honestly much nicer. <laughs> when, when we're talking about um, Booking.com, Airbnb, Expedia, I get it. I, I, like, we all love how easy it is and how you have all these options. But y- you can still book a lot of these things yourself and go mm-hmm. through different routes where you're not normalizing human mm-hmm. rights violations and you're not saying it's okay for businesses to do this. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's hard. Trust me. I've had to do it. Like Mm -hmm. even, you know, some of my favorite uh, brands or platforms are problematic. So I've had to stop using them and it is a challenge, Mm -hmm. but it is very possible. And once you get back into the swing of doing things the way that we usually did, knowing that you're not Mm -hmm. uh, complicit in human rights violations, Mm -hmm. um, then it actually feels better. It's actually... A nice feeling for you as an individual yeah i mean individual action is so important and it's a really striking moment in terms of the bds movement because for example there's a lot of um i was talking with a lot of friends about this recently actually in regards to the protest movement in iran uh and just the the fact that they're are so many actions taking place uh, internationally within the diaspora um, supporting um, the protests. But there's a lot of different perspectives on, you know, which political direction to take. You know, some people are want to support the, the movement for gender equality. Some people want American intervention, right, w- which is, you know, deeply problematic. But there's all sorts of different approaches. I'm relating this to what's happening today in Palestine, not to compare, but to say it's just this really interesting moment and amazing moment where you have the Palestinian diaspora articulating a clear campaign. Because often what like a lot of people say is, oh, well, what can I do? Right. You know, when when you're watching the news and I mean, who's not affected if they're watching a report about what's going on in Gaza? Yeah. So so two things on that, two different points, I think. Um, a really important point that needs to be made is the self-determination of the people 
mm-hmm. is to be decided by the people. Mm-hmm. So because and, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, you have a lot of people that ask this question of, mm-hmm. okay, so what does a future Palestinian state look mm-hmm. like? Oh, but you can't have this, you can't have that. And everyone kind of seems to have opinions and, mm-hmm. and thoughts on the future of a people that is not their people or a people that they are not um, or a land that they're not from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a very, very important point where it's like amplify the voices of Palestinians, speak to Palestinians, let us tell our stories. We have over 70 years of history and oppression and, and that we can talk about mm-hmm. and tell you that actually the things that you're realizing now has been the story of our lives for generations. Mm-hmm. All of us can, re- can relate to what is happening in some shape or form, whether it's our parents that lived it, our grandparents, um, mm-hmm. or we ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the second point on what can I do? Mm-hmm. So I already said amplify Palestinian voices, mm-hmm. but I also think, you know, if th- everyone has a different way that they would like to get involved or that they can get involved in. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can and would like to join one of your local chapters of BDS or um, pro-Palestinian movements, do it. You know, in the Netherlands, DOCP like, or, or BDSNL, like, we're here, join us. We're more than happy to, to, to welcome new people to the family. Um, if you feel that you want to go down the kind of political route, there's organizations focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're an anti-Zionist Jew and you, know, you want to mobilize, there's mm-hmm. Jewish Voice for Peace and multiple other organizations out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a lawyer, you know, th- there's really a, a role to be played for everyone. Mm-hmm. And let's say you really can't get involved mm-hmm. in that way, mm-hmm. then it's about making better choices it's about really thinking mm-hmm. where are you buying your products from? And mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, there, there's multiple campaigns happening across countries when it comes to, you know, where produce is coming from. Mm-hmm. We know that there's a period of the year where we don't buy dates from the supermarkets in the Netherlands because most of them are coming from Israel. Mm-hmm. And you can just see it on the packaging. Same applies mm-hmm. to potatoes, which is like the most ironic thing that we import potatoes from Israel when we can produce our own and we're one of the biggest producers of food and exporters of food in the world but that's a different conversation Mm. um and and when it comes to um you know if if you're not sure what to boycott beyond just supermarket products bds has guidelines out there Mm -hmm. and we make sure that you have alternatives that you Mm -hmm. can use so if we say boycott, like now there's a new campaign, uh, which isn't in the Netherlands, but it's a global campaign, but it's um, to boycott Carrefour. Carrefour is not the only supermarket anywhere. We have alternatives, you know, and, and, and you can definitely um, mm-hmm. start making those smaller decisions. Mm-hmm. And then the most important thing that mm-hmm. you can do is what I was talking about in terms of listening and amplifying Palestinian voices. Mm-hmm. Stop... Th- be aware of the gaslighting that happens Mm -hmm. be aware um you know sometimes it's just nice for you guys to also (laughs) you know maybe take the torch from us for a second give us a break rather than us constantly being asked the same questions as palestinians like oh but what about this oh but what about that Mm. um what's happening it's so complicated you know if if you see that happening to a palestinian friend of yours maybe step in Mm. and and answer with them or on their behalf 
because it's exhausting. <laughs> Every two years, we have a big flare-up where there's a massive offensive on Gaza, and we all have to like start talking about it and start getting asked the same basic questions. And then when those aren't happening throughout the, the, that, the two years between those um, aggressions, you know, we're still fighting for justice and we're still fighting for liberation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's just get involved and, and get educated and educate the people around you. That was a conversation with Sami, who is an organizer with the BDS movement in the Netherlands. Sami is a Palestinian activist uh, who has been um, deeply involved in organizing to support the BDS movement in the Netherlands. And uh, thank you so much, Sami, for taking the time to um, share your thoughts, reflections, and a bit about the organizing work that you do on Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal, Geogiage. We broadcast a weekly show uh, across Canada on different stations, including here in Montreal on CKUT 90.3 FM on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. on CGLO 1690 a.m. also in Geogiage, Montreal on Tuesdays at 1 on CFUV 101.9 FM on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. in Victoria, British Columbia on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 on Wednesdays every week. And also on CKUW at 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on Tuesdays at 8 a.m. You can find our archives at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Look us up on iTunes or Spotify, Free City Radio Podcast. I will go out with some music from the Amsterdam-based artist Zaya. Thanks for tuning in. And also thank you to Sarah, uh, my friend in Amsterdam, for helping to arrange this interview. I'll talk to you next week. 